0: So often we're heads down doing our work and forgetting why we're doing it and forgetting about what it will do for our customers when we've delivered it and what they will then be able to do and so on. Then what happens questions, it's all about consequences and and so much of it is about what makes the work meaningful. Every time I see people think hard about the then what happens question, we give ourselves so little time for thinking about why we do what we do.
1: You are listening to the Managing Remote Teams podcast, the show taking a kind, cool-headed and fair look at remote teams. I'm the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade as a practitioner. I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working from home gear sorted. Welcome, welcome back. My name is Luke Shermer, the author of the book Align Remotely, and today we are continuing on with another episode where we speak with Mike Burroughs, the guy behind Agenda Shift. And today we're going to get a lot more practical, as this is part two of the previous discussion. You will be happy to hear there's two really practical change management tools that I think bypass employees' kind of natural resistance to change. First of all, there's an example of a tool that helps organize and prioritize organizational learning when implementing big changes. And also another one in terms of getting started that helps you discover a lot of potential outcomes your company can pursue together with everyone in the company, which helps make sure that there is a lot of engagement in whatever it is that's being proposed. And without further ado, here's the show. Two things I wanted to ask about in terms of easy ways for people to get started. So, one thing that you've come up with that you've already mentioned Change Ban. So, what is it and how would you do it?
0: Change Ban is a, at one level, it's a Kanban simulation game, you know, a way to, to teach people how Kanban works. And it's based on Feature Ban, um, which is, I forget when I came up with Feature Ban. Feature Ban was the first thing I open sourced. And never regretted open sourcing it, and I've open sourced a lot of my stuff ever since. Mm. In ban, it's very clear that you're modeling a development process. You know, um, you know a sort of four-column board design, four or five-column board design. And the stages typically end up looking at design, build, whatever. And it's fine. And actually, as a teaching tool in the technology space, it's been very popular. It's used all over the world. And you can teach metrics and things like that with it as well, one of the later stages of playing the game. And the beauty of it is it starts simple, although it's clear that it doesn't work very well. And then we make an intervention or two, and suddenly things start to work a lot better. The I mean, work flows a lot more smoothly. And more importantly, in fact, the players of the game find that they collaborate a lot more. And the big takeaway feature, both feature ban and change ban is the relationship between work and progress and collaboration. You know, and it's very, it's a very pleasant surprise is it? instead of when you do something lean-based, the temptation is to think that the only learning point is that when we control our work in progress, then the system's going to perform more predictably and faster and all the rest of it. But actually, the relationship between work in progress and collaboration is a wonderful learning. Now, I wanted to get away from it being modeling a development process. And I followed Jeff Anderson's lead, and I, and this is years ago now, and you're reading around in the lean startup literature. And in various lean startup books, you'll find Kanban boards that are built on valuable, feasible, usable. And the feature band board design, the, the column names aren't valuable, feasible, usable, but they do map, they do map to those. And there's, there's some description, descriptions in the, on the board and in the, in the deck that, it, that explains the, the relationship. And the great thing about that, is it valuable? Is it feasible? Can we in agree an acceptable way forward? Is it sticking? Is it is it working for people? Is it delivering the benefit that we expected? That sounds a bit less like a development, development process. And we found that people from outside of development respond to it a lot better than they do to uh, to feature ban. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've simplified a bit, made it a bit more fun. We've abandoned the metrics module. We let, we let the Kanban trainers teach that in uh, with feature uh, <laughs> ban or whatever. And we're focused very much instead on what a learning system looks like. We actually give points. Experiments can, everything in the change man system is an experiment. And it can succeed or it can be rejected. And I, I use rejected rather than failed. We treat rejection as an active and positive step. Well, it's very artificial, It's but it's just a game. Every time we, we complete an item, we get the chance to choose an item to reject. So complete an item, hooray, reject an item, and you get points. You get as many points for rejected items as you do for accepted items, and the the scoring system actually rewards an even spread of uh, acceptances and rejections, a reward for maximum learning and making sure that every stage of the process is contributing to learning as, uh, as well. Without wanting to get into too much technical detail there, so it's a you can at one level it's a simple and fun way of learning Kanban and and getting that same takeaway of when you limit your work in progress then there'll be more collaboration and uh, it isn't that lesson isn't unique to kanban i mean scrum teams know this as well scrum teams should know this as well Mm -hmm. um and at another level it's teaching about experimentation hypotheses lean startup thinking about how we reflect on our learning and realizing that you probably learned a lot more from the items that you rejected than the ones that um succeeded and we you start to introduce what a hypothesis looks like how do you frame your hypothesis so that you're guaranteed however it ends up to to generate some learning and what's interesting about where in the process that it failed and so on what on earth were we thinking when we prioritized this piece in the first place and it got this far and then we rejected it um Mm -hmm. those are that's a question we don't ask ourselves often enough And we don't typically have a forum for asking that question um, as directly as that and where the insight from answering that question is likely to to go anywhere useful. So that's an interesting question of organization design as well. So these are all topics that are very much about, that that shift is very interested in. So all that sort of conversational stuff, outcomes, generating outcomes, organizing them, that's the first three chapters. The last three chapters is much more about how do we organize ourselves so that we are continuously learning, so that we're adaptive. How do we frame our work? How can we find solutions in a creative, innovative way and finishing with the the, the serious organizational stuff, the viable system stuff, the del- deliberately adaptive organization, wholehearted organization and, and so on, and tying that to well-tested models, viable system models, as I said, been around for decades. Tying it to what's been happening in the, the, the organization development space in the time that you know Agile has been around has undergone a revolution of its own. Change management in the 90s was choose a solution, sell it, roll it out, <laughs> overcoming positions in the process.
1: <laughs> and then choose new solutions.
0: I'm being deliberately like, about it, but <laughs> whole system consulting, pro, what we'll call process consulting, which doesn't mean Process management: the process of the change process, and the conversations that need to happen, and then more recently, dialogic organization development, generative organization development. In fact, there's a there's a model called the generative change model uh, by Marshak and Bush. That's coming from the academic organization development space, and the model maps almost one to one with agenda shift. It's amazing. It almost sort of fell off my chair when I read the dialogic OD book. And, and again, when I read the generative change book, it's a real paradigm shift that has happened in the OD space. That that's, that has quite a lot of parallels with the paradigm shift that you know has happened in the technology space with Agile. Hmm. And there's a lot that they can learn from each other. You know, and uh, I just love, you know, connecting to these different models and integrating them and seeing what we can reconciling them them, seeing what we can learn in the process, and uh, and so on.
1: Another tool that you mentioned is the 15 minute photo, since it's 15 minutes, that sounds like a good place to start for people. What is it and how would people go about doing that? So
0: um, The name is From Obstacles to Outcomes, that's the photo bit, in 15 minutes, so it's quick. Our description of it is our clean language inspired coaching game. So we are teaching people how to have some coaching conversations using the clean language questions. And the really cool thing about it is not me standing at the front asking the questions. It's me organising people in table groups or breakout rooms, and then either having informal conversations as a whole group, in, in anyone can ask ask a question, that anyone can answer type conversation, uh, and then a the second time round a more intense version where it's, where we're rotating you know one to one conversations around around the table, so everyone gets a turn as being the coach, everyone gets a turn at being the client. Everyone gets a turn at being the scribe, writing all the outcomes down. Everyone gets a turn, turn at being the observer, the safety officer, the timekeeper, and all, you know, and, and so on, all the things that observers do. And it's based on a, a quite small subset of the overall set of clean language questions. So clean language, I should say, it comes from the therapy world, as a number of coaching tools have. And there are different ways that you can use it and use it in a way that's appropriate to the contract that you have with the people that you're working with i'm very clear i'm not a therapist uh, <laughs> you know, in, when i design 15 minute photo it, it is it's not therapy it's how do we get how do we take our list of obstacles and turn that in a way that has clear business value turn that into a list of outcomes that we can then organize and, and by construction those outcomes are related to each other in interesting ways so basically, you know, given an obstacle, what would you like to have happen, and that turns it into a into an outcome. Nine times out of ten, you can always ask it twice if you don't get an outcome. And you can clarify obstacles, or you can clarify outcomes with what kind of. So if you said, if your obstacle was you said rubbish stand ups, say, I could say, or what kind of rubbish, or what kind of stand ups, or what kind of. Rubbish? <laughs> if I just wanted to clarify that a bit more, I mean, it's probably unnecessary in that case. And then, what would you like to have happen? And you would. Say something about that you would want. What kind of to clarify? Just those three questions, actually. Oh, I once one I haven't mentioned, then what happens? So you go with well, then what happens takes you from outcome to outcome. And with what would you like to have happen, what kind of, and then what happens? Just three questions. They do 90% of the work in 15 minute photo. Uh, but there are some others. You know, what's happening when? What happens before? Where does that come from? and so on and and there's some little rules you you use the questions on the card verbatim most of the questions have an x in them which is for the client's own words and when better stand-ups then what happens this is a a silly example what kind of better stand-ups where do those better stand-ups come from what happens before better uh, stand-ups is there anything else about better stand-ups and what it's forcing the the coach to do is to actively listen and the more subtle thing about clean language is that you're actually helping the client build a model? You know, you're not saying when you said X, did you mean Y, and sort of them losing their train of thought, or have you thought of Z? You know, again, them losing their train of thought. Instead, you are going with their, going with their model, going with their words, and helping them build up a picture that perhaps they've never built up before. It's really funny. Then what happens? is such an easy question to ask. It's only three words, and the longer version, and when whatever it was you said. Then what happens is a few more words, but still not many words. And what's more, the client knows it's coming. And even so, it can take them a surprising amount of time to answer. And that's very revealing. I mean, so often we're heads down doing our work and forgetting why we're doing it. And forgetting about what it will do for our customers when we've delivered it and what they will then be able to do and so on. You know, that, then what happens question is all, it's all about consequences and, and so much of it is about what makes the work meaningful and it, it, every time I see people think hard about the then what happens question I, I really think it's we give ourselves so little time for thinking about why we do what we do mm. and that's part of the power of the game, yeah it's a great thing yeah, yeah.
1: so Agenda Shift, the new version is coming out uh, next month or uh,
0: hopefully so by the time this goes out i hope hopefully it will be out in the uk it's actually already already available for pre-order that's the print version the kindle version suffered a minor delay but i'm hoping that by launch date of the 29th or thereabouts certainly by the end of march i'm hoping that it's going to be available in print and kindle versions and it'll be going out on other ebook platforms as well um, so whether it'll be out on all platforms by the end of March, I'm not 100% sure, uh, but it'll certainly be available in some forms um, in that timeframe.
1: Okay, great. We'll definitely leave a link in the notes, and and also I guess the main place for all the resources is Agendashift.com. Or? Yes,
0: yeah, Agendashift.com. I mean Agendashift.com/slash/resources specifically for the uh, for the resources. But that's uh, yeah, Agendashift.com. It's very, it's very easy to find the resources page. So you'll find some of the things that we talked about, the 15-minute photo, there's a whole load of resources around that, uh, feature ban and change ban, the outside-in strategy review, and, and so on. You'll, you'll all find that uh, very easily. There's a cheat sheet as well, actually. We just published that a couple of weeks ago. That helps bring together all that 15-minute uh, sort of photo stuff and the strategy review stuff, and it will in a way a little guide to the first couple of chapters that we still as well.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you very much. Today's show is probably going to be super helpful for anyone who's about to start a change initiative and what they want to do it in a way that actually does engage people and that delivers something meaningful at the end. If you can think of anyone who is in that situation right now, then definitely feel free to forward the show. My Biggest takeaway from this whole approach is this question of, and then what, which you just keep repeating until you really map out what each of the next steps are. It's really powerful how he's distilled the very essence of understanding how things actually work right now in order to be able to then define what the gap is and know what it is that you want to change. Tune in next time for our next episode, digging into a delegation model that I found super helpful when I was very much a practitioner. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Managing Remote Teams podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts and reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn with any feedback or thoughts that you have for a future show.